0: Hello, and welcome to the DFS Coach Talk Podcast. It's a wonderful Sunday. It's May 31st, end of the month, Andrew. Uh, and I'm happy to be joined by you, man. I'm joined by my good buddy, Andrew Hansen, the gentleman himself, uh, to break down the wonderful New England Patriots. So uh, it's going to be an interesting show, Andrew. I'm excited, but more or less, I, I just want to know about your weekend, man. It's winding down. How was it?
1: Hey, uh, yeah, great to be back on with you, Mike. Definitely a highlight for me here in the middle of the weekend uh, and weather is turning here in the Northeast. I'm very excited. I've been outside, and um, next ten days look great. So starting to feel like some real good spring and summer here. Um, too bad we can't talk about you know, off-season football on the field. Um, but you know, it's it's virtual time here. Uh, we've been in virtual world now for a month straight, wrapping up the NFL. It's been a lot of fun.
0: Absolutely, man. And I got I like the Jayhawks in the background. Uh you know, closet Jayhawks, college hoops fan myself. Can't say too loud, you know, being right knocking down uh Yukon territory right around here. So I can't say too too loud, but uh always had a soft spot for the Jayhawks. But glad you're here. I uh, love the weather too, man. You're absolutely right. It's been beautiful weather all weekend. I'm, you know, we need it. Uh we need it. We need it we need a reason just to kinda get outside, walk around a little bit, but uh, we're both New Englanders, man. So this is, uh, the, you know, we're sandwiched. We got the, the Patriots sandwiched right in between us, you up in there in New Hampshire, me down here in Connecticut. So there's no other other football team because, you know, we're not we're not touching on the Giants, man. We can't no. we can't do that. No, uh, we've, of
1: course
0: not. I, I think we were both raised with respect early on uh, <laughs> <laughs> to not do that to ourselves. That's right. Uh, but I'm not a Patriot fan. So you are you are my friend. So I'm going to be grabbing this show by the range and hosting. I'm going to be throwing a lot towards Andrew's way. Um, you know, there's nothing better than breaking down your hometown team. You probably heard it with Santino talking about the dolphins. You probably heard it with me talking about the Panthers. You probably heard it with Shane talking about, uh, the lions and you probably heard it with coach talking about the Cowboys. So there's, there's always a little bit of just, uh, a little added nuggets, little extra detail that you get when you're breaking down your own team. So I'm really looking forward to hearing you talk about it, but, uh, you know, I mean, we can just jump right into this, man. I mean, we have, uh, we have a little bit of a, a little bit and a lot to get to because, I mean, some of the biggest offseason news or I guess we could say offseason news or probably biggest NFL news in the past 10 to 15 years has happened during this off-season. So uh, Mr. Brady. So we're, we're going to have a lot to talk about. I'm just going to give a quick uh, quick take on what they did last season as an offense and defense as a whole, where they kind of fell. So as far as the Patriots offense. Uh, They scored 420 points, and that ranked them 7th overall in the league. 5,664 yards, ranked them 15th, uh, and they averaged about 5.2 yards per play. Uh, As far as their passing attack, 378 completions, 620 attempts for the Patriots, uh, and Mr. Tom Brady, that ranked 5th in the league. He threw for 3,961 yards. uh, That ranked for 8th. 25 touchdowns, ranked 16th. Uh, nine interceptions ranked 11th and then if we're talking about on the ground their rushing attempts 447 attempts on the ground that ranked ninth best in the NFL for the ninth most Uh, 1,703 yards that's 18th they had about 17 touchdowns on the ground ranking 10th and uh, 3.8 yards per attempt for 25th so not the best yards per attempt on the ground but a nice little snapshot of where their offense is and you could tell Uh, You know, not the most eye-popping numbers, but being one of the best teams in America, you're always going to be in competitive games, competitive shootouts. And that's probably why their offense is always top notch. Uh, When we talk about their defense, though, Andrew, it was the story of the season. League's best defense year in and year out. A lot of people maybe didn't see it coming right in, but they were the it was a fantasy goldmine, especially in those DFS sites where you had to pick a defense. It was like a lock in. It felt like 20 points. Give or take, every single week with the upside of more. So we'll talk about the points, their defense. So 225 points scored against the Patriots on the season, which is just incredible considering we just said that they scored 420 themselves. That was the number one ranked defense. And the same thing with yards, 4,414 yards that ranked first. Uh, turnovers, they uh, the opposing teams turned the ball over 36 times against the Patriots, second most, which is just absolutely insane when we think about their passing defense. Uh, Teams tried to throw against them, but, you know, it wasn't 536 attempts, eighth uh, most throw or least throwing attempts against them. So their passing attack, Gilmore, it wasn't the best idea. Um, And then yards against them, 2,886 yards, ranked second, touchdowns. They only allowed 13 touchdowns in the air. That was the league's best. And 25 interceptions as a team was the league's best as well. Uh, On the ground, right there with them brushing attempts, 365. That was fifth best or for the fifth most going against them. And that is simply just because you're going to have to try to, you're going to try to control the clock against the Patriots. We just talked about the passing game. Obviously you're going to try to run it because you want to try to control the tempo when you're going against them. Uh, On the ground though, 1,528 yards. That was the sixth best uh, as a, as a team and uh, touchdowns. They only allowed seven touchdowns on the ground and that was ranked best. So Andrew, talk to us. Break it down for us. A lot of offseason changes. We talked about the one at the top, but there is a little bit on the defense as well. So why don't you hit us with uh, some of the things you're expecting now that there's some new guys in the locker room?
1: Yeah, so offensively, uh, we talked a lot about Tom Brady on the Buccaneers podcast. So y'all can go back and pull that one out of the library to go in depth there. But uh, interesting, yeah, the package of Brady and Gronk, not together, but overall heading to Tampa. So it's an, it's an all-new look for the New England offense after two decades of Brady. So we'll get into Jarrett Sidham. Uh, that's going to be the biggest change, of course. And they also lost some pass catchers, Philip Dorsett, uh, Josh Gordon, and Ben Watson. So uh, a lot of turnover in the passing game. Rushing game is going to be basically intact. Uh, defensively, man. You 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 hit it right there. What an incredible defense overall, number one in the league. That almost 200 point differential. And then I think my favorite stat of the ones you you touched on is they were first in the league in passing touchdowns allowed and first in the league in rushing touchdowns allowed. They just they had no holes. And you know the, I'd say the biggest changes other than Brady is that they've lost Jamie Collins and Kyle Van Noy, two integral. Uh, pieces of that linebacking core they combined for almost 140 tackles 13 and a half sacks and six of those 36 uh turnovers that the, the defense forced so a bit of a hole there um but that secondary which was incredible is uh is intact they extended Patrick Chung for two more years they re-signed Devin McCourty for two years they added depth in the secondary with their second-round pick Kyle Duggar, the safety. Um, and by the way, he's you know he may not be starting uh, many downs right off the right off the rip as you like to say, Mike. But he did uh, he take he took six punt returns back to the house last year, uh, so he could be one more way to contribute to that uh, Patriots defense and special teams. On DraftKings being so strong, and they were certainly a target of mine last year. Um, you know, we, we've talked about Shane's excellent predictions here on the show. I predicted that the Patriots would start eight 0 last season because of that defense, because of the weak schedule, and I was all over that defense in season-long and daily fantasy. And that's going to be the strength of this team again. They're going to they're going to turn to that defense uh, to try to win games and, uh, you know, outmanage the opponents. So, um, overall, you know, I think the key is that they're going to be very stout on defense again, and their their overall success is just going to come down to how Jared Stidham performs.
0: Absolutely, and I couldn't think of a better segue into talking about the new starting quarterback uh, for the New England Patriots. So, uh, that's the top of it. We're going to jump right into the team breakdown or the player breakdowns for the Patriots now. And right at the top, Mr. Stidham, uh, the new quarterback, he's filling some big shoes. Uh, we've seen over, you know, some other guys attempt to do so when Brady was injured in the past, but he's passing on the torch, man. It's uh, it's, it's a new day in new England. Um, I've heard, you know, some, it looks like all the fans and I'll get your take on this are backing this kid. Um, they seem to be ready for it. They love him. Uh, they're willing to give him the opportunity but this is also new england sports so we could see how fast people could turn on somebody if they fall on their face but uh, why don't you break it down because i know you talked about you've been watching some tape on him. you're excited about him. you think that this is a good situation for him to be in so you know why don't you talk about a little bit of uh what you're expecting from stidham and uh, are these the guy that we're gonna be targeting in dfs
1: you know he actually could be we'll, we'll see what his price is but I went back and watched all of his snaps from the preseason last year, and he was really, really impressive. Um, If if you look at the numbers, he ended up with a 68% completion percentage. He played in all four games, uh, always had double-digit completions. So he was out there for a bunch of snaps, averaging just below 200 yards per game, which is pretty good in the preseason when you're not playing the full game. And probably most importantly for Bill Belichick, is he added four touchdowns passing and only one interception. And the on the interception, he got hit as he was throwing it. So not one of those just bad decision, bad throws. So, you know, we we know how important the, the turno- turnover differential is to Bill Belichick. And he's not going to turn the reins over to a second-year quarterback unless he can, you know, handle it a la Tom Brady with that, you know, terrific uh, touchdown to... Turnover ratio that he's displayed every year. So uh, that, that's the first thing: is ball security, making good decisions, and the, the high completion percentage. Um, and, and to me, he also looked really comfortable in the pocket. You know, he was effective even under pressure. He even got out and run a little bit. And then the, the touchdowns in the preseason, he 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 showed a nice variety there. He threw, uh, you know, back shoulder catches to Demarius Thomas, uh, one towards the left, one towards the right. He had a touchdown where he rolled out to the left and then threw kind of back across his body. Um, And then the final nugget here is I want to mention the chemistry he had with Jacoby Myers, and, you know, he targeted him early and often, and they really clicked in the preseason last year. So when we get to the wide receiver group, We'll we'll probably slot Jacoby Myers in as one of the potential backups, but that's going to be something to monitor. um, If anybody gets hurt or when he gets on the field, Um, you know they've shown a real strong connection there. But yeah, again, I I just think that um, if if something happens, you know Cam Newton decides he'll take a major pay cut, or you know a veteran like that becomes available, maybe Bill Belichick would consider it, but. I think he's comfortable going into the season with Stidham, and I do think that he'll be the starter day one over Brian Hoyer.
0: Yeah, I in mean, I'm pretty much in the same camp as you on that one, too. Uh, he just seems like he's already very familiar with the offense. You know, this is a guy that they were excited about when they drafted him, and they were excited to let him learn behind Brady. And we've seen tons and tons of quarterbacks now that just being in that system behind Brady, you know, find their own success in other places. Uh, Not necessarily just Jimmy G going over there to San Fran, but, you know, even when Castle uh, made a home for himself, I think he went 10 and 6 when he kind of took over as a starter there, Uh, found a new home for himself over there in KC not too much later, and then, you know, played a couple seasons. I think he was in Minnesota for a little while, kind of bounced around, but plenty of guys have, you know, that were no names, I guess, necessarily find success when they're playing in the system and learning from Belichick and Brady. So. Um, I'm excited about the kid. You talked about that turnover ratio. And that's something that he even had when he was playing in college. I mean, uh, a guy that only turned the ball over 13 interceptions over 47 games or 48 games, I believe, 47 games, 37 games. There it is, 37. So it was 13 over 37. So the turnover ratio is pretty good over there in college, played at some pretty big schools. Baylor, Auburn had some good competition. Um, and he's got weapons, man. I mean, you know, not a ton of household names or not the Randy Mosses that we're used to seeing, uh, you know, over there when we're talking about Tom Brady and his in his prime. But uh, he still has Edelman, still has a guy named to Harry that we'll get to in a minute. James White, very capable pass catcher. So he's got a couple weapons that he could work with. It's just going to be all about, uh, you know, how he comes out of the gate, in my opinion. And, you know, this isn't a team that's used to losing, so you don't want to ever see a guy fall on his face. But he's walking to a great situation where they're not going to ask for a whole lot from him. They're going to play behind the defense, like you said, and they're going to let their playmakers make a few plays. And they're going to try to control the clock and they're going to control the game like Belichick has always done. So Um, am I going to be targeting him in DFS? I don't think so. Probably not. Uh, It's not a guy that's necessarily going to be, you know, rushing too many touchdowns like a Josh Allen on his own. Uh, And it's not uh, an offense I could see letting him rip it, you know, 40 times a game necessarily either. So he's going to have to very, you know, limit his mistakes, game manage and just win these games through the four quarters of play for the Patriots. And it might not be pretty every time. It might be a little ugly here and there, Uh, but it's the the team collectively that I think is going to get them the wins, not on the, on the back of uh, Stidham. So, um, you know, we'll see. Maybe he proves me wrong. I'll be excited if he does. But, uh, you know, not a guy I think that we're going to be targeting early in DFS. I mean, price tag, you know, warrants and the right matchup always warrants that. So maybe I'll be saying something different in different weeks.
1: Well, you know, you mentioned um, whether to play him early. We got to mention the schedule because it starts out with Miami and then Seattle and and, La- and Las Vegas. So uh, teams that you can pass on. But I, I want to circle back to Miami for a second because, I heard you, Santino. I, I, I heard you on the Dolphins podcast talking about how the Dolphins ended the Patriots dynasty um, with that win in Week 17. And then <laughs> Tanne- Tannehill knocks him out in the playoffs. And so I, I want to give you props. That was that was a nice little dig there. Uh, I see how you put that together. <laughs> I like it. Um, but I, I do want to go back to that Miami game, last game of the regular season. One of the craziest plays of the Belichick era right before halftime. It's 10 to 10. It's week 17. Patriots need the win to secure that buy. And they force a three and out. They get the ball back on their 25, 57 seconds left. And the, the play call is something that, you know, I was sitting there watching the game and I just couldn't believe it when I saw it. They gave it to Sonny Michelle. He loses two on just a basic rush up the middle. And then they let, uh, they don't call timeout, even though they have three timeouts. Then they hand it off to James White and he picks up a few yards. They let the clock run out. And we've seen it dozens and dozens of times where the Patriots get it in that two minute drill. They go down and score. Then they get it after half and they score again. And I was just shocked that they didn't uh, basically put the ball in Tom Brady's hands and say, let's go score. And at the time, the only thing I could think of was, you know, maybe they're just, you know, saving their best two minute plays for the postseason. And they didn't want to show their best stuff and they thought they could you know, find a way to win in the second half against Miami, who they had blown out earlier in the season, but it just didn't happen. It was just an ugly game. You know, Fitzpatrick um, rallied them down the stretch and you tip your cap to them, you know, they played a good game, but I was just shocked. I I thought it was a terrible play call. Um, And Mm -hmm. I I think it was a mistake. And so it's just a, it's just a, it's just a, a shame, you know, that they didn't give it their best shot there. And uh, go deep into the playbook and, and find something to get down the field and score before halftime. So, so Santino, again, I'll give you credit; they won the game, um, but it was a little bit of a, you know, misstep there from Belichick. Um, and I think they're going to be raring to go here in Week One with a bit of a rematch, bit of a revenge. And uh, I-, I could see, um, you know, as as we um, talked about on the Dolphins podcast. Um, they're going to be much improved. So it's not going to be like last year where everybody's scoring over 30 a game on them. But, um, again, based on the price, you could get Stidham in week one, low ownership, um, maybe pair him up with one receiver, and you could have something in a GPP. Certainly not a cash game approach I would take. Uh, um, And I don't expect to play Stidham a lot this year. You know, I don't expect they're going to be ultra-high-volume passing attack. But in the right matchup, based on the price, you know, potentially – I'd
0: play him a couple weeks out of the year. See, um, I I, said when I looked at this and I saw that they were playing the Dolphins week one, this just seems like it would be such a a game that they're just looking to get that week one, grind them out kind of win because they know they're going in against the rookie. I mean, they pretty much just came out and said, I think it was yesterday on the news report that uh, two is going to, he's going to start. We're not going to say he's a starter right now, but they basically said he's going to come out and start over Fitzpatrick. And with that said, it's like, this is a tough, It's going to be tough for him to walk in there in the first few matchups when we're talking about Buffalo and we're talking about New England, two of the tougher pass defenses in the league right now. So, you know, these are games where I can see this being slow for both teams, a lot of a lot of rushing attacks, a lot of rushing game. Uh, But we'll have to see. I mean, I'm going to stick with my conviction and say that I'm not going to be playing him, but I won't. I won't. My patented thing. I won't knock you if you're playing him. I'm not going to knock you. (laughs) Uh, You know, you know, he's going to be cheap. There's no way he's priced. He'll probably be one priced below the top 25. He'll probably be one of the five cheaper uh, quarterbacks when when the season starts. So. All right. Um, I'm glad that, uh, you know, we got something to look forward as far as him. But um, what would you. Oh, am I losing you? I'm here. All right. Cool. What would you say? You know, if if, you know, all else fails, he uh, he falters, he falls in his face. Maybe, you know, first few games. What can we expect from Brian Hoyer? If he gets the the job handed to him,
1: you know, really like uh, a game manager who's not quite as athletic uh, is on the downside of his career now at age 34 career under 60 percent completion percentage. That's just not going to cut it. Uh, not even a two to one touchdown interception ratio. So really not expecting much out of him uh, if he gets out there.
0: Yeah. And that's basically it. You you know, if if you see Hoyer get in there, that's when I would start feeling a little bit better about some of the weapons that have been comfortable because he's a veteran. He knows how to work in offense. He knows to go to the guys that are most familiar with the offense. So we'll get to some of the other weapons as far as Julian Edelman and how they've been and what we're going to expect from them. But that's when I would start giving a little bit of a boost to the guys like the Julian Edelman's um, if, if Hoyer were to come in there and start slinging. So maybe that's a little bit of a, a foreshadow of what I'm going to say about him when we get there. Uh, but we'll, we'll have to wait. We'll have to wait. I'm not going to, you know, let the, let everything out of the bag early, but we have All two right. prominent running backs to talk about two guys that are going to be very involved in this system used in different, completely different ways. Uh, but I don't even know who should, who we, like we start with, because normally you'd start with the lead back, but I guess these guys are both lead backs in their own rights, but we'll start with Sony Michelle, uh, you know, cause he's the guy that's most likely going to have the rock in his hand, uh, majority of the time in between the tackles. So uh, why don't you talk to us um, a little bit about Sonny Michel? Um, I mean, we could sit here. We can give his numbers, uh, you know, really quickly um, as far as, you know, what he did last season. uh, Second year, 247 attempts, 912 yards, seven touchdowns, only averaged 3.7 yards per attempt. Wasn't really involved in the receiving game. We'll get to that. 12 receptions for 94 yards, no touchdowns, 4.7 yards per target. Had a 1,006 total yards from scrimmage. Uh, fumbled the ball twice as well. But uh, a guy that they they wanted. I mean, let's be real. When they drafted him, they went out of their way. They wanted him early. Uh, this was going to be their guy for the future. They were really excited about him. But he's also a guy that comes with a little bit of risk. Uh, he's been dinged up a little bit throughout his career. He's dealt with knee injuries uh, and knee surgeries um, throughout his career. Back to college and even high school. So are you excited about Sony Michelle this season? Uh, with no with no Tom Brady in the in the back? No, I'm not. And yeah.
1: I wasn't really excited about him last year either. Um, like you mentioned, he's not a big part of the passing game. James White is the master in that department. So he really is that first and second down back between the tackles. Give us four yards per carry. Be there for touchdowns when we need you. You know, but but his production was down a little bit last year. His efficiency was down in year two and he only hit value in two out of 16 weeks. And the the thing I want to say about the Patriots backfield in general is that you really have to look at the game plan and try to predict what is Bill Belichick going to do in a given week? Because he like I think more than any other coach is so game game plan specific and he will go. And try to exploit any opportunity he can find. And he'll go, go back to it repeatedly, repeatedly. And so I want to get into that with these running backs. And so, Michelle, uh, I'll give you the example for him. It was, you know, his, he, he only had two good games. One against Washington, where he got 90 yards and a touchdown. You know, bad defense overall. So that, you could predict that. The other one was against the Jets, which is a little bit harder pr- to predict. Uh, we mentioned on one of the previous podcasts that they only gave up 12 touchdowns all season on the ground. And get this, five of them were against the Patriots in the two weeks that they played. So when the Patriots played the Jets, they averaged two and a half touchdowns on the ground per game. When everybody else played the Jets, they only averaged half a touchdown per game. So the the game plan there was get it inside the five and then we're going to run it in. They just decided instead of passing it, uh, you know, the, the weakness we see is we think we can score on short yardage. And so that's what they did. They had five rushing, rushing touchdowns of five yards or less against the Jets. And so he had three in one game. And that was the that was the week that he crushed value. But other than those two games, he's just one of these guys that, you know, gets you 14 or 15 carries, doesn't get you 100 yards, no receptions. And so I'm not going to play him unless it's, you know, a very specific situation where against a, a weak Rushing defense. Um, but even then, you've got the, the problem of Rex Burkhead, who gets some carries as well. So uh, I I don't like to target him. Uh, James White, I prefer much more often uh, than Sonny Michelle.
0: Yeah, and I think that's just uh, soup to nuts what it comes down to. It's, you know, If you had to pick one of these guys, who would you feel more confident in getting you to 15 to 16 fantasy points? It's going to be James White all day, regardless of whether it's a PPR format or not. Um, I just feel because you know he's going to get a couple carries mixed in there for him regardless. You know, at the end of the day, Michelle's going to finish with probably, you know, 75 to 25 carry work. Yeah. Um, but those four, five, six carries that White sees is only the cherry on top considering he's going to catch six to eight balls most likely as well. Um, whereas, you know, Michelle, if he doesn't get in the end zone, he's not going to get that receiving work. It's pretty much a lost day for him if he's not finding pay dirt. Uh, really tough for him to make up for that fantasy value. I mean, he's not going to be necessarily one of the most high priced guys on the board. Uh, but, you know, you really when you're look, playing any running back, you're really banking. on i either having a ton of yards from scrimmage or getting into the end zone. Bottom line, you're not you're not paying up for a guy or paying any guy playing any guy if you don't think he's going to score. Um, you know, as far as his workload, I think they're going to rely on him heavily. Uh, I think they need to. I think that, you know, to sit there and make Stidham try to throw 600 passes during his real first season is not going to be an option for them. They're not going to be able to do something like that. I think that they're going to have to rely on both of these running backs. But um, I touched on it earlier. I'm also very worried about his health. He's a guy that's been dinged up throughout his career. And I think the Patriots are going to be very cognizant of that. We're going to we're going to get to another running back where I'm not going to spend a lot of time on him. But I think that he definitely, definitely is going to be a name to worth monitoring, because any time with the Patriots that we think that there is a running back, Surprise, surprise! They got some guy they took in the seventh round six years ago that no one knows about, and he's gonna be a stud. So uh, that's generally how I've always looked at that group. So, um, but we'll just transition. That's that's kind of our take on Michelle. Proceed with caution. Injuries are really gonna be a factor if there. It's a game where maybe the Jets are somewhere where we know that they're gonna game script a heavy rush offense. Um, and you think that they can get in the pay dirt? That's when you wanna target them. But um, there's probably gonna be about three or maybe four of those situations throughout the year that we could really look forward to. But James White and. Do you expect the production to take a step back at all, knowing that you know Dave? He was he was Brady's safety valve, and one thing I wanted to note is that he became that safety valve once another safety valve retired. So James White has always been very involved in the passing game, but he really really came onto the scene as that safety valve. We'll talk about his 67 rushing attempts for 263 yards, one touchdown. Uh, But the passing game: 95 targets, 72 receptions, 645 yards, and five touchdowns. So. Heavily evolved into the passing game. A guy that we can you know, pretty much expect to continue that with the rookie quarterback. You look at your tight end and you look at your running back. Are you expecting north or south of those 95 targets again?
1: Well, unfortunately, I'm predicting south of that. And that, that's hard for me to say because James White's probably one of my top five all-time favorite fantasy players. Uh, I, I just love him from a PPR standpoint. Again, you know, Belichick will go to him. Early and often in certain matchups. And if you can predict that, then he'll spike for you. And he's always low priced. I mean, he he never got higher than he didn't even get to 6k last year on DraftKings. He was always in that 5k range. And he only hit value twice, but they were monsters. And again, they were games that you could predict. One was against Baltimore. We know they had an awesome rush defense, so that's the week that you fade Sony Michelle. You go with James White. You, you, you know it's their only chance to get production out of the backfield is to throw it to James White. So that was one of the weeks. The other week was against Houston. We know that they're bad against uh, ball carriers catching balls out of the backfield. Sure enough, he had eight catches for 98 yards and two scores. And he spiked it for 37.7 fantasy points. So I'm going to continue to look for opportunities like that with James White. But the problem is, like you mentioned, he doesn't have, you know, that six years of chemistry with his quarterback. Could, Cause Tom Brady is gone. Uh, so I, I don't think he'll be able to be as effective with Stidham. You know, last year in the 15 games that he played, he averaged about four and a half catches per game. I'm going to say that goes down by one or so. So he's more like a, Three and a half catches per game, you know, uh, someone that 55 to 60 catches on the season, which is, uh, you know, a a bit of a step backwards. But I, I just don't think we can expect quite as much out of him with Stidham.
0: Yeah. And I and I don't. I don't disagree with that. I mean, I still think he's going to be very involved. If I had to pick between him or Edelman taking more of a backseat or getting less volume, I would probably lean more towards Edelman seeing less volume and uh, just knowing, if anything, uh, Belichick's a smart guy. They're going to they're going to design just so many screens for him. They're the easy seven yard gains that they could always get out of James White, like, you know, death taxes, seven yard screen for James White. Get the first down. Um, I think that's going to be the way that we see him. He's still going to be very involved in the passing game, not going to be playing him on FanDuel. He's going to be a DK-specific guy for me for that PPR because, you know, like, listen, we just talked about it. Same thing that Michelle doesn't find Pater. It's tough. Uh, If if White doesn't find Pater and a non-PPR site, you're still probably not hitting value. I mean, in the PPR, we could see him get those eight, nine catches for 80 yards. Then we're talking. Okay. You, but you said it, he only hit value twice last season and there were big games when they did it. And there are games that we scripted out and were able to do it. So that's the way I'm going to approach this season as well. It's going to be on DK and the game scripts where we know that they're going to be passing the ball from behind and those tough matchups. Um, that's pretty much it. You know, we don't need to get too too uh, invested into him anywhere else as far as that. And if you're looking at those season-long league guys, if you're one of those types types of guys, um, I still want him. I don't know about you, I'm still interested. I think that you know that name and that price tag might be driven up a little bit. I think a lot of other people might be uh, over investing, just you know realizing that you know rookie quarterback is going to throw to the tight end. Wait, they don't have a tight end really anymore. They're going to throw to the running back. So proceed with caution. One other guy I want to mention, we'll talk about Burkhead real quick. Um, simply a handcuff. I mean, nothing more than that. And I don't even think he's the best handcuff because I wanted to talk about Damien Harris a little bit more. So redshirted pretty much last season out of Alabama second year. This is the guy that just pops off the page for me. When I talk about a Patriots running back, where if we're talking about this week 16, he might be the guy that ended up leading the team in rushing yards. It wouldn't shock me. That's just how the Patriots have worked. Michelle hasn't been able to stay healthy over the past few seasons. Uh, you know, Knee's always going to be an issue. And if that crops up, I think he's the next man up uh, over Burkhead. I think that's what we slowly kind of see that transition. So, I mean, Burkhead hasn't been able to stay too healthy throughout his career either. So I'm just saying, I'm not, I'm not saying, you know, go out there and draft him everywhere and get him in best ball and do all that. I'm just saying he's worth keeping an eye on. He's worth, you know, maybe just keep him on your watch list early on, whatever it may be. Uh, but Damian Harris might eventually be a household name in New England.
1: Yeah, nice call there. Yeah. Um it's a, I like that take as you mentioned Rex Burkhead is getting older he's 29 seven years in the league uh, only played 13 games last year because of injury and uh, kind of funny he had the best yards per carry out of this group at 4.6 but I think that's because you, you know they brought him in when he was a fr- when he was fresh they used him in spurts and again just because of his price he actually paid off value more than these other guys he hit value four out of 13 weeks but uh Again, very, very hard to predict. Only a GPP flyer in a very unique setting. Uh, but yeah, I don't I don't really plan to play him.
0: Yeah, no, you're not going to find me playing. I mean, Burkhead, it, 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 he's like the chalk that everyone loves to eat if Michelle's sitting out. It's one of those. But it's, again, it, the Patriots, they're so dicey when it comes to their backfield. And the way that they maneuver and shift these guys, the way that they can play, sometimes even three of them on the field at the same exact time. It's crazy. So I never try to buy into one of them too much. If anybody you feel comfortable about, it's James White because nobody's taking that passing role. But that's where my hatred, I wouldn't say hatred, but my fear, I guess, for Sony Michelle comes in. I think if this guy were able to stay healthy for 16 games and get 275 carries, yeah, he'd probably put up 1,100 yards. No doubt about it. Eight, nine scores. I just don't, I don't, I don't have the security. At age 24, the amount of wear and tear that's already on his knees scares me and there's a nice, fresh, uh, you know, welly groom, Damon Harris sitting there already red shirted, learn the offense a little bit more, just saying, keep an eye on him. Nothing more than that though. Uh, we'll move on to the receivers now, Andrew, we got, you know, a, a pretty fresh receiving core, I guess we could say with the 30, uh, 33 year old Julian Edelman. Actually, I think he's turning 34 this season. Uh, but nonetheless, he was still able to get it done with Mr. Brady last season, had 153 targets, 100 receptions. 1,117 yards, 11.2 yards per reception for six touchdowns and a catch rate or catch percentage of 65.4. So, uh, you know, those are the numbers. I kind of already gave my quick take on them. I'm expecting those targets to drastically come down. And it's not necessarily just because Mr. Brady's gone. But, I mean, when we talk about Brady, Gronk, Edelman, this is the trio, the three musketeers, the three guys that were always best friends where you know that their lockers were right next to each other. You know that these guys were going out and partying with each other and you know that their wives probably hung out as well. So when in doubt, he looked towards Edelman's way Uh, and also just age, age, uh, injury, effectiveness. A lot of things are going to catch up to him eventually. And you got to imagine that it's not going to be too far long before he's starting to sail on his horse uh, or sail on his horse. I don't know if you could sail a horse, Andrew. (laughs) Uh, Ride ride his horse off into the sunset. (laughs) <laughs> so uh, I'm going to take the under on the 153 targets. I'm going to probably take, uh I'm, I'm you know, maybe the under on receptions as well. I mean, 100, I think you could probably get close to that, maybe 85 or so. But I'm going to say more like around that 130, 120 targets, definitely going to come down. He's still going to be the number one receiver. Uh, But I'm definitely a little underwhelmed on what I'm thinking about his, uh, his production this season. What's your take on Mr. Julian Edelman?
1: I agree with you completely. I think the targets are going to come down. Catches are going to come down. I think he actually just turned 34, 10 years now, a lot of miles on that body, um, you know, running over the middle and, um, you know, basically sacrificing his body for those catches. And he had that nice hundred number last year, nice round number. uh, I agree, more like 85 probably this year. And, you know, for a guy that plays so hard and is so fearless with his body, you know, to to play 16 games and be out there for 87 percent of the snaps. I think it's safe to predict that's not going to happen again. Um, so, I although he will be the number one receiver, I agree with you again on that. Uh, I don't plan to play him as much this year as as I did last year. And um, you know, one other thing is just with that size, you know, he's, he's a little bit harder target to hit. And Brady, the the greatest of all time, he made it look easy with that pinpoint accuracy and that incredible chemistry that they built. But you know, he doesn't have that yet with Stidham. And I mentioned Stidham and Myers in the preseason last year and how much chemistry they had, but a guy like Jacoby Myers is a much bigger target, 6'2", 200. Uh, it's a lot easier target to hit, so it looked good when he threw to Myers last year, but smaller targets, smaller windows, it's going to be that much more challenging for him to connect with Edelman.
0: Yeah. And that's what one thing I wanted to and I'm glad you touched on it, too. It's not necessarily just, you know, that him and Brady are best friends. It's the chemistry that gets built when you play with somebody for so long, um, especially when you touch on the accuracy Brady had. I mean, it's nonetheless the best of all time. Uh, he puts the ball in spots where defenders just can't get to. And when you combine that with just the, the chemistry you have. In um, Edelman, I mean, not known for speed, not known for the, having the best hands. I mean, necessarily, it's that timing, it's that separation and in, in, in the route running that he was able to do. And some of that was the chemistry is what we've seen Brady, you know, thrive with Welker for years as well. So, um, a lot of those guys that are on, unath- uh, I wouldn't want to say unathletic cause I'm unathletic. Uh, these guys are crazy athletic. The- these guys that are a little less athletic compared to, you know, your top receivers in the game that necessarily don't have that four, two, four, three, four, four speed. Even they rely on that. Um, and now they get a young guy coming in where you have to rebuild that. And it's tough. I mean, I'm sure, you know, this guy he's had, you know, Stidham's had plenty of time to work with these guys in practice and everything like that, but it's just not the same when it comes to a game script environment. So I'm, I'm a little worried. Um about Edelman, I'm definitely going to, you know, I'm not going to just cross them off and never look at them all season long, but it's going to take, you know, again, probably DK PPR formats are probably the best way to look at them. I don't see Stidham having many of these three to four touchdown games where you'd see Edelman have those big games. It's generally two scores and a lot of receptions. So those are going to be, I, I mean, I would be shocked if I see that more than twice this season. I think, you know, we can peg Edelman for maybe two two score games this season. We're going to want to look at those pass heavy games, almost in the same situations where you're looking at James White is where I'm going to be looking at Julian Edelman. Other than that, I think that he's going to be coming in with a, not an elevated price tag, but he's a household name. Everybody knows who Julian Edelman is. He's not going to be coming in here dirt cheap or anything. He's still the number one receiver. So he's going to come with a little bit of a price tag as well. Um, for those reasons, I'll probably shy away from him for a little while.
1: Yeah, you're right. If he's around 7 k it's going to be tough to invest in him because he doesn't have that 30-point ceiling. Um, and so you, you're kind of just hoping to barely hit that 3X value. Um, so, yeah, he's going to have to drop in price probably for me to play him.
0: Absolutely. But uh, I'll tell you what, Andrew. Um, there is a receiver on this team I am extremely excited about, and it's uh, a Mr. Nicolieri. Um I know that he's not necessarily a household name just yet, but that doesn't mean that he won't be soon enough. And I think he is probably one of my favorite sleeper receivers heading into the year, whether it's DFS, whether it's a season long thing. I just love this kid's talent. I love I think the Patriots love him as well. I know that they again, just like Sony Michelle, they put a lot into him. And outside of an ankle injury that happened early in the preseason, this kid probably could have got out of the gates pretty quickly with Mr. Tom Brady. Uh, but he did come onto the field a little a uh, little later. He got popped. Uh, you know, he was pupped pretty early on after that ankle injury. So he never really got to uh, you know, go out there and perform. But now he's healthy. He's got a full season. And I don't know if you've read, he's been working with uh, the footwork king himself, uh, Mr. Rashad Whitfield, um, during this offseason. That was the one thing that Harry went into the offseason really wanting to work on, was his footwork, was his mechanics. He thought that was the one thing that would really separate himself from the bunch. Um, and if you guys do not know who Rashad Whitfield is, uh, he has also worked with the likes of, uh, you know, a couple other, I guess we could say decent receivers, Odell Beckham, uh, Deandre Hopkins, Emmanuel Sanders, uh, CD lamb, this off season as well. So a great name to have in your camp and a guy to be working with. And those are some great names surrounding. So I'm not saying he's going to come out here and put up seasons like him. Um, I don't think he's going to finish with more targets or receptions necessarily than, uh, Mr. Uh, Julian Edelman. But, uh, Andrew, I'm going, I'm willing to go on a limb and say that he will pay off his value way more than Julian Edelman for DFS. I'm not going to say how many times, but I would say if, if we're talking about big games, I could see a few big games coming from Nikhil Harry. He's a big playmaker. He's a guy that is going to eventually be taking this number one role by the horns as soon as Edelman is done. Or if anything, uh, knock on wood, were to happen to him. Never want to wish injuries on him. I think this kid's going to be a stud. So let me hear your thoughts on Nikhil Harry. Um, I I mean, I guess I could uh, I could sit here and touch on his his stats, I guess, uh, from last season. Uh, But there's nothing really to go off that due to the injury. I mean, realistically, he uh, he only played in really seven games, I believe it was. And a lot of those games he's he wasn't getting the targets over James White. And uh, and Edelman. And I would probably go off and say that if it was still Tom Brady here, I would not be as excited about Nikhil Harry. And it's mostly just because of that chemistry that he's already built with these other guys where those are his go to targets. Stidham has a chance to build that chemistry and build rapport with this guy just the same way he's doing with Edelman Um, in his mind. Yes, he knows that a lot of these plays that Edelman's the go to guy on him but he has that chance to build the chemistry only had about 24 targets last season, 12 catches, 105 yards, 8.8 yards per receptions, two touchdowns though in his 12 catches, which is pretty impressive. Um, Neither one of those were very long. As long as catch was only 18 yards. Uh, and a 50% catch rate, which that definitely is going to need some improvement. But he was a young rookie who was dealing with ankle injuries early on, so I'm going to chalk the catch rate and throw it out the window. I don't think that's something that we can really uh, take for granted or take with any seriousness. But what's your expectations for Mr. Nikhil Hiri?
1: Yeah, great call. I also am I'm excited about him. Last year I was really excited about him. thought it was a really good pick. And then you're right, just derailed by injury. Such a shame not to be out there on the field. And then he gets back there, and it's sort of – it's sort of a mess with all those guys like, you know, Philip Dorset still hanging around taking targets. And so he just never got much volume down the stretch. You know, it was basically like four targets a week. Best game was only two catches for 15 yards and a score. He did get seven targets in week 17, but you know, just not many reps. And I do think he's going to be much more productive this year. You mentioned the offseason training. So let's get him in there healthy. Uh, Let's get him out there for the majority of the snaps. And uh, again, I agree, not as many catches or targets as Edelman, but very likely to hit uh, hit value more often than Edelman based on his
0: lower price. Absolutely. And I wouldn't I wouldn't even be shocked, um, you know, at the year's end and this is probably going to come back to bite me and I know I'm going to end up, there's going to be like a little loop of this video playing uh, a year <laughs> from now. If Nikhil Harry's right around that seven, 800 yard mark with six or seven touchdowns, Edelman's probably at that 900 to a thousand yard mark with seven or eight touchdowns. I don't think he's going to be that far behind. I think reception wise Edelman's probably going to have 30 more receptions than him, but this guy's going to be their big play threat. He's going to make a lot of plays for them. Um, he's, one of their probably better red zone targets as well. So I think the touchdowns might be there for him other than those, you know, quick slants and those backdoor catches for Edelman that have been designed but for Mr. Brady throwing them. This is going to be a different game. And this might be the Nikhil Harry show coming up. Maybe not this season. I think I always call these breakouts a little bit too early. He's going to be a guy that I think is going to be a household name next season that we're going to be really excited about. Yeah.
1: He's a guy who he'll go up and catch balls on the outside uh, he's physical enough to, to beat people in those 50-50 balls. So I agree. He gives you that nice dimension of not having to go over the middle, dink and dunk. You can hit home runs with this guy, and he's can, you know, he got great hands and physicality to be able to score on the outside.
0: Absolutely. So we'll keep it moving, though, because there's another receiver who's just as good, just as athletic. He's more game-ready, I guess we could say, now. And it, it cost the Patriots a little bit of a pretty penny last season. So uh, that's uh, Mr. Mohamed Sanu, also known to have one of the best arms in the NFL, Andrew. I don't know if you knew that. Uh, That's why I wanted to bring it up. Did you know that this guy is a cannon?
1: No, I think I missed that.
0: Oh, yeah. Sanuka throw. Sanuka throw. Um, He's got, I think, I don't want to even try to guess it, but it was over 60. Uh, He's got an arm. He's well over 60. Um, I could say that for certainty. Well, there
1: could be a rivalry in the locker room there because we know Edelman used to be a quarterback. He's thrown some big passes for the Patriots. So maybe Sanu is going to be angling to take that backup, you know, quarterback role on the field from Edelman.
0: Listen, I wouldn't I wouldn't even uh, rule out starter. No, uh, exactly. <laughs> I'm not going to say that. But uh, I mean, this is he's, he's he's 30 years old at this point. Um, you know, I wouldn't expect anything as far as lighting in the world on fire. But he's probably one of the best receivers you can have in your locker room and not have crazy expectations for, I guess you could say. Uh, He's always managed to get it done throughout his career. We saw that he was always kind of Matt Ryan's, you know, number two guy next to uh, Julio Jones. And even, you know, dating back to when they're making that transition out of the Roddy White um, into like the, the the new Julio Jones, number one role. And then we're going to have Sanu as our second. It was because Sanu was that good. He's got the speed. He's got the hands. He's got some of the best hands in the league, in my opinion. Um, But, What are you expecting from Sanu now? He's going to probably primarily play for them, uh, you know, on the outside, I believe. Um, I don't think, you know, I don't know if he's going to be in the slot. What's your opinion on that? Is he going to, you know, Edelman's pretty much got that slot job locked up, in my opinion. So it would most likely be Sanu and Harry on the outside. But um, are you expecting a better year than Nikhil Harry from Sanu or do you expect Sanu to take a backseat to Harry slightly?
1: That's a great question. Um, yeah, I think you'll see Sanu move around a little bit. You'll see him some in the slot, but a, a lot on the outside. Um, I I, th- I think Harry is, you know, he'll be more of a big play guy. So I think he'll end up being more useful than Sanu as long as he can stay healthy. Um, you know, Sanu is, he was like a, another one of these guys where, you know, short sample, um, but they did game plan for him one week. You know, against Baltimore, he caught ten balls for 81 and a score, so he gave you 24 fantasy points that week. But uh, every other game for the Patriots last year, he his max was three receptions, and he was always under 10 fantasy points on DraftKings. So he's just he's just more of a you know shorter yards per catch type guy, um, more of a dink and dunk than Harry. Uh, so I, I think Harry will be more productive overall.
0: Yeah, and that's I just love the upside in Harry. I think I, I think I know what to expect from Sanu at this stage in his career. We'll definitely see some big games here and there. Uh, but as far as lighting the world on fire, that's that's a little bit over and done with as far as him as a talent. He's just getting up there in age a little bit. And uh, just move over. There's a new shiny toy that's coming in there. So, Mr. Nikhil Harry. Um, I mean, we could keep. We'll keep going. We'll touch on these guys slightly. Uh, they brought in Marquise Lee over there from Jacksonville. Very talented receiver. Uh, just, I, I believe he came out of USC, if I'm not mistaken. Correct. But he was just never able to keep healthy. Never able to stay healthy. Knee injuries uh, left and right while he was down there. And then uh, last season was actually starting to look like he was going to get on the field, but then they had some other guys come on to the scene and just kind of snub out his fire. Mr. DJ Chark. Um, now the new number one over there. So, uh, Lee has a home here and the, we've seen the Patriots do this in the past, uh, take somebody's shiny first round or second round receiver. That just didn't pan out. We'll give them a shot over here and see what they can do for us. Um, but generally it doesn't work out too great for them. I, I think we've seen that with Dorsett, um, kind of happened over there. So, um, you know, what are you expecting from Marquise Lee? Is he merely just going to be a depth guy, or do you think he finds himself on the field for some packages?
1: Yeah, I think he's more of a depth guy. Um, I think you're right. Let's let's just uh, low cost investment here in a guy with some talent pedigree. Um, just couldn't get on the field last year, so I, I think it's a nice depth play. But I, I am much more excited in, in Jacoby Myers. I mentioned that chemistry with Stidham, um, so I think Myers in his second year uh a little bit bigger size uh you know he he's a guy that i'm more interested in i I think there's uh you know let's just say pick a random week and and we don't expect those guys to be starting i would in a gpp i I might get a share of jacoby myers i'm not going to get a share of marquis lee so i think he needs somebody like edelman to go down um to get more snaps Uh, but myers could sneak in there and score a touchdown i think
0: yeah, I'm kind of in the same agreement. So it's just like Jacoby Myers just screams that one big play. And you're not if you ever played Jacoby Myers, don't expect more than three catches from him in the in said game. But two of those might be for a score. And it just happens to be one of those days. So I'm with you. I'm, I'm probably not going to stay. even if somebody goes down, I don't think Marquis Lee is a guy that I'd run to the waiver wires and pick up. Like I said, I've already hyped up Nikhil Harry enough where if something were to happen to Edelman. Man, it would just be the Nikhil Harry, James White show until the uh, until the sun could come up. I would love those guys left and right. And that's kind of where I would expect to see Stidham lean on is his two number one targets. So keep that in mind. As much as we talk about these receivers, James White is primarily pretty much a receiver, not a running back. Um, he's going to get some time in the slot as well. So. Uh, Take everything else with a grain of salt that, you know, when we say that Nikhil Harry is, you know, that's the number two receiver, technically the number three receiver still behind White and Edelman. And these guys are going to need either an injury um, or just, hey, maybe a change in direction. And Stidham would be the biggest change in direction to help them to really break out in the field. But uh, a team once known for having some of the best tight ends and most athletic tight ends to ever play in the game. Um, I think we know the story with one of them, but the other one just left town as well. He is uh, riding Tom Brady's horse all the way down to Tampa um, and they're partying together as we speak, I'm sure. So uh, without those guys, um, you know, it looks like that Matt Lacoste is going to be slotted as the expected starter. Uh, but we also know that they drafted a few names that might be someone they're worth keeping an eye on. But um, what would you like to say about the tight end position for the Patriots going into this season?
1: I would like to say thank you, Mr. Gronkowski, for your years of service and uh, no ill will for riding the the Brady horse, setting sail on the Brady horse down to Tampa, as it were. Uh, you deserve it. So best of luck down there. Matt Lacoste, yeah, he's the incumbent, uh, but I'm certainly not excited about him. Only 13 catches. Um, you know, they had Ben Watson last year. He only had 17 uh, 17 catches, didn't get in the end zone. So not a great year for the tight ends last year. Uh, but I I wouldn't invest in Matt Lacoste. Uh, but I am excited about these two rookies. I, I, I like it when teams pick two guys from the same position. Uh, sometimes it's, you know, like two wide receivers early, hoping that one of them will pay off. Um, or in this case, it's two tight ends who may be drafted for different purposes. So, I, again, I like the investment here to get uh, – potentially a little bit unique. So first with uh, the UCLA tight end, Devin, um, this is a guy who's, you know, I think more of a uh, a pass-catching threat early as compared to Dalton Keene out of Virginia Tech. Um, They both only had one drop last year. So uh, I like that. I like that profile. But I I could see Devin, um, you know, making a name for himself early, and he's a guy who, you know, can catch balls that are off target. Uh, he, again, he's physical. Uh, I, I, I like the idea of him barreling down the field and running guys over. Not quite like Gronk, but but you get the idea. And then Dalton Keene, I think he's a really interesting pick. You know, surprised a lot of people that they took him in the third round. But it's a guy who's lined up a lot as that fullback. So he's kind of that H-back type. And I think they could run some unique plays with him. Um, and, you know, sometimes he's going to block, sometimes he'll s- slip out and catch a short pass. You know, didn't get much production at Virginia Tech, but uh, 21 catches got in the end zone five times. And like I said, only one drop. So it's uh, certainly a rebuilding year for the tight end group with the Patriots. I'm not going to play these guys early, but we'll be watching closely to see how they develop.
0: Oh, I think I was just talking with my mic off for a minute. So um, let me just hear you now. (laughs) All right. That is perfect. So, yes, I was talking with my mic off like a genius. I am. So, uh, yeah, no, my sentiments are the same exact thing as far as the tight ends. I apologize for that brief uh, dead air that you guys just had to deal with. You guys just got to look at mine and Andrew's beautiful faces for a moment. Uh, But no, I I, same sentiments. I think that it's just this seems like one of those Belichick situations. We're going to get two tight ends. They'll probably take another one uh, next season. Um, hoping that they could eventually get back to that tight end sets, the two tight end sets they used to do. They really went away from it last season just because they just didn't have, you know, Belichick's smart. He knows how to utilize his weapons. He knows that he's not going to be able to just throw any tight ends in there and they can do what Gronkowski did. It's not going to happen. It's a once-in-a-lifetime kind of player that you see, and once you get one of those guys, you utilize them, kind of what he does with James White. He found his role, and he's going to make sure that he just succeeds in it. I don't see either one of these guys kind of stepping in. I don't think Matt LaCrosse is a guy that I'm going to ever play, um, I think he's probably a guy that you'll see on the field for the most amount of shares of snaps as far as the tight ends go. But there's just too many mouths to feed where none of these guys are going to get a lot of work. So um, we'll keep it moving to the defense. Um, you know, league's best defense last season, best defense in DFS, most uh, own defense in DFS. We can probably imagine that they'll probably be the highest priced one coming into the season this year again. Uh, are they going to be worth it, though, Andrew? Are you going to be playing them as your as your best defense? Are you going to be paying that price tag?
1: Definitely. You know, I might play the defense more than any other player on this team over the course of the season. Again, depending on the matchups, but they were just so dominant. And as we mentioned, they lost Collins and Van Noy, but they still have that ultra successful secondary. Uh, They're going to keep forcing turnovers. Uh, So, yeah, I'm going to continue to play them.
0: Okay, so the, the one question I wanted to pose to you, and it's simply just because, you know, this defense was very, very effective Um, especially when it came to getting turnovers. I think that's where a lot of their points were coming from. We've already talked on it. They were the, I think they led the league in interceptions. So, um, you know, clearly they were able to capitalize on that. But the one worry I have, and I guess it's me playing devil's advocate because there's still going to be an unreal defense, but um, clearly Tom Brady was very efficient with the ball over over the last season, only eight interceptions, uh, very efficient quarterback throughout his entire career. Now, are you worried that, let's say, you know, I don't think we can, say, Stidham's going to finish the season with eight interceptions if he starts six games. Let's say he finishes with 13 to 15 interceptions. You think those extra turnovers on offense, putting extra pressure on the defense, has any effect on, uh, on, on the points total in the game? Now, my, my sentiments and thinking is, you know, they're still going to be excellent. He's going to turn the ball over. But I feel like the other team's offense is going to have a little bit more opportunities to score on the Patriots this season without Tom Brady underneath the helm.
1: I agree. I, I think that'll hurt That'll um, hurt the numbers a little bit. I don't think they'll hold opponents to 14.1 points per game. I, I think we may also get some regression in terms of not as many pick sixes. I mean, it was like every week it seemed like the Patriots were scoring on defense and, and even sometimes outscoring their opponents on defense. It was incredible. Uh, so I don't think we're going to see that. Um, but, you know, there were also lots of times last year where you got a three and out out of the Patriots because – You know, Tom Brady uh, wasn't going to risk a sack, wasn't going to risk an interception. He just threw it away uh, at the first sign of pressure. So I think Stidham will be better in in that sense. He might extend some drives that Brady was unable to extend last year. Uh, But, yeah, overall, uh, a downgrade. uh, Overall, probably slightly better, you know, starting field position for the opponents. uh, Maybe some more possessions, more time of possession. Uh, So the numbers won't be out of this stratosphere like they were last year. But I don't think uh, Stidham will hurt them enough where that the patrons aren't, uh, you know, most weeks, one of the best options out there.
0: Absolutely. And um, as far as let's talk about in another lens now, um, you know, how teams are going to be attacking their defense when they come in there. Uh, Is there any particular way that we should look to attack? You know, we'll talk about Miami, uh, you know, week one. Coming in there, who should we... Are we looking for the passing game? Are we looking for the running game against them? Or are we avoiding it at all costs in all situations regardless?
1: No, I'm going to avoid it at all costs. Definitely not the passing attack. You know, maybe uh, we'll see about, you know, how this team reacts without Collins and Van Noy um, against the rush rushing game. Um, but, you know, they showed that incredible ability to bend and not break. I mean, they weren't even bending because they were... Number one in yardage allowed, but you couldn't score on them through the air or on the ground. And I don't think that's going to change much.
0: Yeah. And that's kind of my same uh, same expectations when I look at this team. I'm still probably not going to go near them. Hey, listen, until I can see them crumble, um, I'm going to assume that they're still going to be great. That's that's kind of my thing. But I also did allude to something. So we're about to get into the quick draft portion. We're not going to spend too much time on it. We'll go through it pretty quickly. A lot of these guys that we think have any sort of relevancy this season we've touched on already. Uh, but, you know, I did I did teaser it a little bit into a situation of where I could see that, uh, you know, maybe Trevor Lawrence ends up eventually donning these Patriot threads. Um, and, you know, with that, it's my hot take. It's got to be hot. It's got to be piping hot. The stove is on. Uh, it would take a lot to go wrong for that to happen now. So if that were to be the case, Andrew, I think we would need to see an absolute Stidham implosion. Uh, it would have to be a, 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 some significant injuries to the defense, I think, would have to happen. But if this team were to start, let's say they start one in four. I'm not, I don't think we can ever say that's going to happen with certainty. But let's just say it happens. Patriots aren't going to be the worst team. We know Belichick's not going to sit there and tank necessarily. I don't think that's his game. I don't think he'll ever do that. But do you think there's in a world in the, a realm in the world of possibilities where, you know, they start one and four. They, they don't they don't finish as the worst team in the NFL. But let's say they, they finish as uh, with one of the top five worst records in the NFL. They could put together some sort of godfather package with that pick. A few future picks. Obviously, it'd have to be a whole lot of them. But would you be OK as a Patriot fan them starting one and four if that meant they can get Trevor Lawrence with some godfather type trade package? Or do you want to see your your competitive Patriots year in and year out?
1: Yeah, it's that's a that's a great question um, because I, I'm an optimistic guy, and it's it's hard for me to really even envision that scenario. Um, you know, if it happened, if there were injuries, they were losing early, Stidham was terrible, then I, I guess it's possible. But I, I think Belichick is too good. Uh, I think the defense is too good. I don't think they're going to be a sub 500 team, so I don't think they'll have that top five pick. Uh, so, so my money is is against the Trevor Lawrence situation. If they could get him, sure, I, I would sacrifice a year of, you know, marching to the AFC Championship game um, if we could do that. But uh, I just don't see it happening.
0: Yeah, and that's and. Listen, I—it's I got to be a hot take for a reason. It's not like I sit here and think this is going to happen. I'm not going to Vegas and putting my money on this happening in any way, shape, or form. Uh, I just like to think a little outside of the box and how something might be able to happen. Because now you're talking about the AFC getting juiced up. You know, I don't think this is going to be a cakewalk for them walking in these AFC championship games anymore with Mr. Patty Mahomes and Lamar Jackson now in the AFC. So, you know, when you look at that, you got to look at your team and you say, hey, I got this great defense. Is this enough? Uh, they built their championships on the foundation of a fantastic quarterback. And now we're seeing two great quarterbacks that are going to have to go into with one guy coming in. I mean, we don't see as a lot of hype surrounding a guy like Trevor Lawrence very often. Uh, you know, Joe Burrows came out as a consensus number one pick, but he wasn't a guy that was going to be one of these world changing quarterbacks. I don't think anybody, I think the last guy that we can safely say was hyped up as much as Trevor Lawrence is probably Mr. Andrew Luck. So. Uh, you know, we, we don't see the Patriots really bending over backwards, trying to get Cam Newton or convince Andrew Luck to come out of retirement. That was some skepticism, some, some tinfoil hat answers that we were getting early on. And, uh, you know, it may be for a reason. It may be that they, uh, you know, may listen, we'll give the Stidham guy a shot and see what he has. If it doesn't work, we'll try. Maybe get a little trouble. I, I would like <laughs> to think that. I would love to see that just because I think that would just be unreal for every Patriot fan. And I'm not one. I hate him. Uh, but, uh, you know, I love, I love to see greatness is what I love to see. And if they can keep that dynasty going at the helm of a guy like that would be insane. So I'd like to think, and I just wanted to get that out there to hear myself talk a little bit, but let's talk about the draft a little bit, my man, and we'll get out of here. Uh, not a whole lot to break down as far as they did have plenty of picks, but we talked about it. Not a lot of, uh, you know, world changing picks as far as their team. A lot of these positions are just going to be depth positions. So you talked about Kyle Duggar. Uh, safety, second-round pick, 37th overall. He seems like a guy that could find himself in some special team packages on like kickoffs. Um, I don't know if he'll return. You touched on it. He did have a lot of returns, so maybe he finds himself there as well. Um, may even find himself here and there injury-wise in the nickel, um, but I don't think he's going to really be starting outside of special teams. Anything else you'd like to kind of say on him before we keep going? No, well said. All right, perfect. Josh, now let me bear with me. Is it Oosh or O'Shea? Because I want to say it's O'Shea because it reminds me of Bobby Boucher, and that makes me happy.
1: Let's go with it because I'm not sure.
0: <laughs> I'm going to say O'Shea then. Josh Uche, edge rusher out of Michigan. Uh, Second-round pick, 60th overall. Again, uh, he's not going to be starting. He's simply going to be a depth guy. We already know who is on uh, the edge for them with uh, with guy and with Simon. So I don't, I don't see him sniffing the field. I don't even see him, uh, you know, playing anything outside of special teams he might be a guy that they groom. They like the intangibles, uh, but he seems like he's a real, real work in project sort of player. So I'm not going to be sniffing the field, but they love the athleticism and they love what could be, uh, the another edge rusher back to back round three, 87th. So only 27 picks later, they went with Anthony Jennings out of Alabama uh, to be honest, Andrew, I don't know too much about Jennings, surprisingly, because he's an Alabama guy. You know that they that Crimson Tide, the defense is always elite every single year, in, uh, year in and year out. So you got to imagine that, you know, a guy that flew under the radar a little bit on that defense that they liked. But uh, do you know much about him?
1: No, just my understanding is the profile is he's more of a run uh, defender. That's his talent. And so, again, that's what we talked about, you know, potential weakness with their other linebacker losses. So, um, again, I like this idea of, you know, back to back edge rusher linebacker um, just to build up the defense. But, yeah, this is mostly about depth, uh, in in my opinion.
0: Absolutely. So we'll keep it going. We already talked about both of these tight ends a little bit. Um, Again, not expecting too, too much from them. But again, there's not much standing in their way either. So it wouldn't shock me if they find a role. Uh, Or, you know, halfway through or early on. But again, I'm not expecting much from them if they do get said role, because there's just too many mouths to feed in this receiving game right now. Uh, Then then round five pick 159 overall. They took a kicker. Uh, Justin Rohr Wasser out of Marshall. Not a household name. Uh, We already know that they've had Mr. Gaskowski for quite some time kicking it through the uprights. But I believe. Uh, they're in contract negotiations with him still, if I'm not mistaken. I mean, maybe you can shed some light on that and help me out a little bit.
1: Yeah, no, I think they've released him and they've moved on. They signed okay. Rohrwasser to the four-year deal. So he's the kicker of the future and hopefully number three in that line
0: of uh, to Goskowski. And they're hoping this guy will be there for the next decade. And that might be be something worth saying for their offense. Either, I, you know, they I clearly have a lot of confidence in this guy to sign him to a four-year deal like Guskowski go and everything like that. So, But there's a lot of times where Guskowski was probably one of the most reliable kickers in the game for the past 10 years or so. So now that when you talk about, you know, you, let's say you're sitting there and it's a 47-yarder and this would normally just be a chip shot and, a, you know, we don't even need to think about going for it on fourth and one or fourth and two, the Patriots might try to get a little tricky now, especially knowing that. Um, you know, they don't have Brady anymore, so they can't rely on just that two minute crunch time push where they might have to try to steal a few games and cut, get a little sneaky on fourth and down. So, um, hey, I know there's a few sites out there that do use kickers. He's not one of the ones I'm targeting. Let's just leave it at that, I think we could say. Um, round five again, pick 182, not too far later. They went with a guard, uh, Michael Anwinu out of Michigan. Again, depth pick, not going to sniff the field anytime soon. Uh, simply gonna be a practice squad type of guy. And if injuries happen, maybe he can work his way up the chart, but it's not even it's gonna take a few injuries for as well to work himself up there. Uh, went with another offensive tackle after that, Justin Heron, out of Wake Forest, round six, pick one ninety five overall. Man, it sounds boring, but we're just going to I think we should just maybe just go down the line after these next few guys and just say, hey, listen, they're all depth. They're all going to be playing practice squad and it's going to take at least two to three injuries from the sniff of the field. It's not even like there's one man in front of these guys. It's it's several, several players in front of all, all of them. Uh, so after that, it was another sixth round pick and a linebacker uh, out of Wyoming Cass uh, Malua. Uh, I think I'm saying that right again. I'm butchering it and I apologize if I do. These aren't household names for myself. Uh, there's probably a bunch of college guys out there cringing. And then round seven, two thirty overall, center Dustin Woodward. That was an easy one. I can I can do that, but Dustin Woodward. So uh, easy one to pronounce out of Memphis. Again, I wouldn't be shocked if half these guys are you know somewhere else by the season's end.
1: Yeah, one more point there of just you know something to make Patriots fans feel a little bit more secure. In recent years, there has been some some depth issues on the offensive line with injuries. And so to put, you know, three of your last four picks as offensive linemen, just security blanket depth, uh, another nice move, I I think, to, uh, you know,
0: protect the team in case of injury. Absolutely, my good friend. So I think I think that's all we have for the New England Patriots. The dynasty themselves is one of the greatest football teams and dynasties of all time. And we'll have to see if they can keep it going, man. I mean, they got a they got a couple. uh, I guess the chips are, I guess, stacked against them this season. But, uh, hey, man, I don't think anybody thought Mr. Tom Brady uh, coming in for Bledsoe was going to be the next big thing either. So we'll have to wait and see what this is going to be. Maybe Stidham ends up being this stud um, that we just never knew about. I'm excited to find out. But before we leave you guys, we have to ask you some simple favors. Who would we be if we didn't? Right, Andrew? That's right. So uh, go on Twitter, guys. We appreciate it. Follow us. Give us a nice follow. Hit that follow button. Uh, shoot some questions at us. Get at us. Uh, you can find me at Mike Apatria, M-I-K-E-A-P-O-T-R-I-A. You can find Andrew Hansen at Language Olympic, LanguageOlympic, L-A-N-G-U-A-G-E-O-L-Y-M-P-I-C. Uh, easily accessible. Means a lot to us. Um, we're not as active during these non-sports times, but when, believe me, once sports hit back up, I'll be glued to my phone and my girlfriend will begin hating me again. So I want you guys to be the reason for the hatred. It uh, makes me feel a little bit better about myself, I guess. Does that make any sense? I'm, <laughs> not, I'm not doing anything wrong, babe. I'm working. That's uh, right. So that's what I tell. And uh, I just love answering them. And then, obviously, if you guys can go on there, hit subscribe on YouTube, uh, get the notification so you can see our shining, beautiful faces every single morning when we release a podcast because we are one of the only shows that is going to be releasing a podcast seven days a week with fantastic content. We're rounding out football relatively soon, but it looks like sports are on the horizon and we're getting fired up to jump back in there. Also available iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, iHeartRadio. We are all over the place. So five stars. Rate and review it means a lot to us for everybody because we've got a lot of people doing a lot of stuff on the back end. Um, and, you know, when we see that recognition on there, it touches all around at DFS Coach Talk. It, it works its way through the grapevine to the trickle-down effect, and it makes all of us smile. Uh, not just me, not just you, and not just Coach. It's every single person smiles when we see that five star because we know we all had a hand in it, so it means a lot. But uh, I'm going to go and enjoy the rest of my beautiful Sunday. I know you are, Andrew, but is there anything else you wanted to leave us with before we bounce?
1: Uh, yeah, just continue to tune in. Uh, we're going to hit the NFL Rewind button, overview, recap of these 32 shows we've done. Uh, go back and pull up uh, any of the other team profiles if you'd like. And we're also going to start covering the PGA and KBO this week with actual podcasts. You know, we've been studying the KBO for the last month. We're going to start doing podcasts on that three days a week. We've got golf starting next week. So a lot of exciting things uh, at DFS Coach Talk. Um, But uh, as Mike said, we appreciate all of your support. And thank you for tuning in.
0: Absolutely, guys. Take care. And uh, we will be back tomorrow for another NFL show, if I'm not mistaken. We didn't round out the division yet. I think we're back tomorrow. Yeah,
1: we we finished the division with the Patriots here in style. And then we're just going to do the NFL recap tomorrow. So we're going to pull out all the nuggets from the 32 shows and serve them up for everybody.
0: Lots of nuggets. Have some sweet and sour sauce ready, fellas. Uh, You will enjoy them. So uh, that's all we have for you guys. Thank you for listening. From me and Andrew, uh, take care, guys. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday afternoons.